0: uh yeah.
1: blind love radio i am your host anna and it has been a minute i did not mean to lapse so many weeks without putting this episode out but things have just gotten crazy and busy so we do what we can here and we make do um, It's just a little later, but the content is solid and amazing. Oh my gosh. This is Becky's episode part two. We go into her healing, how her journey is going, how she was able to, I don't want to say like transcend suffering, but like transcend suffering. So... I just love it. I love everything she had to say. She has so many little pearls of wisdom in here. And I think everybody can get something out of this episode. It's very heavy on mindfulness and growth. And the themes are just such a chicken soup for the soul, so to speak and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, You can find her in the show notes. I will link to all of her social media handles and her website and definitely reach out and work with her one-on-one. She has so many offerings as a coach and a yoga teacher so you guys will love her i know you loved part one and here is part two enjoy All right, so we're live, and we're back for round two. So just introduce yourself again, just like a quick little intro, and then maybe let's start talking about your transformation into the you that you are now.
2: Okay, like that's not a lot to untouch. (laughs) Hey everybody, this is Becky Holt Portis coming at you. Um, I am yoga teacher has been like my healing journey and I um I'm not doing that so much as I'm now working with um clients one on one um as a coach, helping people through um through their Challenges and struggles of transformation, and um basically, I've taken my experience from my glow up and just you know made it my whole uh, life purpose, and just turned it into my work.
1: Yes, been
2: super healing for me because it was um you know the healing that I got from other people in my Process, process was so. Impactful, it's so impactful. Like I just had to I like, do it for others.
1: That's amazing. Um,
2: yeah, just I it's just I mean, there's so many people suffering right now, and it's really helping that, like, I mean, need to be in the space of compassion for people because, man, suffering. Sucks. Like just to be in the. To be in the, what's the, like the, just to be in the shadow, <laughs> to be in your shadows, which I mean, I don't even know if like, everybody has that terminology, but it's a term, I just got familiar with all the terminology that I use now from going through the process of what I like to call, um, an awakening. Um, have you ever heard of like the dark night of the soul?
1: Oh, definitely. I've had a few.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, well that was like my first one and <laughs> I was hoping it would be the last, but apparently it doesn't work like that. Talk about that. So, um, so wait it was just like awakening to how do we even put it into words? Awakening just to the misery in my life that I had pretty much like numbed myself out from, just had fallen into this repetitive, falling into just this numbingness um, of just doing the regular day to day, keeping myself busy with my kids. Um, and then just waking up to like the fact that I was miserable. And then like, shit. What do I do from there, you know? I'm married. I have three kids. I stay at home mom for six years. And then um, and then I don't want to be in my marriage anymore. And, like, I didn't have a plan. But it was, like, all of a sudden, bam. Like, I had just I had to face that within myself. And that was just the beginning. Um, at that point in time, you know, my ex-husband was an alcoholic. So I had been through a lot and it was quite freeing to give myself permission to not want to stay in the marriage. It was my girlfriend who said, nobody would, like after so many things had happened, she was like, nobody would blame you for leaving now. I just tolerated so much stuff for seven years. And then it was just like, that one little line was so liberating. Like, I didn't even realize like, that that's what was keeping me or keeping me there was, like, the worry of, like, what it looked like and um, the impact it would have on others and carrying all the responsibility um, as if it was my fault. And just that comment was like, wow.
1: One little negative
2: truth. Yeah, one like, oh. Like, it was just so, like, expansive. Like, oh, I didn't realize that I was worried about that, but I was. And I was like, you know, it just keeps opening from there. Um, So I had to come to terms with that. And then it's just a continual process of, like, unfolding, unfolding, unfolding. And it's like, okay, I have to come to terms with that. Okay. Well, I mean, just a, a divorce doesn't automatically make me happy. I don't have all these other things to like deal with and unfold and like I still have all these like feelings and emotions to deal with and I had begun listening to like podcasts and delving into just reading about like what was going on with me and um oh just crying and miserable all of the time just in the space of like not knowing what was next but having to step in with faith and courage there was like the fear and awareness of not knowing what to do what was coming next mixed with all of these also like unprocessed feelings um, that as I dealt with were there from my marriage but then it went deeper it was like well how did I end up in this position um, and so just continuing going inward and unpacking and unpacking, and It was like, "Oh well, okay." Then I had to like delve through like childhood. I didn't mean, and it was just on just peeling back layers of onion, and it was just a lot of like dark loneliness and suffering in there. And um, I had, I mean, so what do you do? Like, I mean, you, I, you're isolated. You don't feel connected to anybody. And you have dark thoughts through the process and it's like, what is going on? And then, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I just I had to turn to like alternative tools. Like I found yoga and, um, Reiki. I mean, I was just grasping for anything, throw me something. I'll take it. I'll take it. But I mean, I found a lot of healing through the process and the terminology and the language It helped me process and identify what was going on with me, like what resonated. I started like getting into like tarot cards. They're not tarot, but like angel cards, energy cards. And it just gave me an outlet for processing for what I felt. I got into meditation. I listened to Tara Brock a lot. Somewhere along the lines, I heard the dark night of the soul and just started reading about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. And it makes so much more sense. More than I depression, you know. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I have anxiety. I'm ADHD. Like all of those labels, it just felt so much bigger and deeper than that. That that's just such a like. Um, I want this message to like resonate and reach somebody that's listening to this like right now. Like that's the beginning. That's not like put a label on it, take a pill for it, keep going that's an opening to like delve in like what's underneath that what's causing the depression and or like what's making you anxious and it's an opening and the beginning of really getting into um the way we operate
1: i love the idea of an opening
2: it's an opening I mean, and so many people get stuck with that. I hear it in conversation all of the time in passing. I'm, I have it's a story. I'm not saying you're not suffering, but like it's not like a end all deal.
1: So, like many yeah. People
2: think it is.
1: What do you think? Like, got you to start thinking that way? Was it just all of the different tools Pain. that you started using?
2: It was the pain. It was the way out of pain. I was forced into it. Like, I dropped into my feelings. And it was, like, I mean, just, like, deep emotional pain and suffering where it's, like, at least I had, I don't know where it comes from, but at least I had the whereabouts and the wits to know, like, what the fuck? I don't really want to die. And I, thought, I mean, I feel like I want to die, but I know that's not true. But I feel like I don't want to live anymore. Because that can't be true. That's not me. It's like, I mean, there is still like, but, but the but some people don't get, I don't get it though. Like some people make me really sad. Some people don't have that. Some people are just stuck so deep into the the feelings they don't have the the tools or that opening um and this is why there's suicide like i felt into the depth of my feeling right like it makes sense to end my life makes complete sense i get it i know why people end their life it's that deep internal suffering that feels like there's no way out and that'll it never stop Mm-hmm. And there's, like, no detachment. There's just only, like, I feel like the people that are ending their lives, just, they don't have that detachment. They're stuck in the identification of what they're experiencing. I felt my pain to the point where it made sense. I understand why people cut themselves. Just to alleviate that mental, emotional, internal suffering... Much rather have the physical pain easier to understand and make more sense.
1: Can you talk about like not identifying with the suffering?
2: Like not identifying, it's like, um,
1: because I feel like that's so important, right? It is so
2: important. Like, there's like, so it's like what you are experiencing, and um doesn't it's it's knowing that it doesn't define you it's not who you are um so there's just like that um the separation the detachment from it it's being able to observe and see what is happening but knowing but just knowing that not you don't have to identify with it so I i can better like how do I explain that so hard if it's like somebody without the tools? Um, I don't know what pulled me through my darkest moment. It was just i guess just like I I remember like rising up in my bedroom going it was just the depth of the pain and leaning into it and just like I mean, I guess I don't advise this for just anybody like get help have some have a have a guide have somebody holding your hand somebody that's been through it but um i've always been pretty crazy and strong mind um i was able to stand up and rise up i'm like fuck this i will not feel this pain for nothing this, I will use my pain to alleviate the suffering of others. So it's like my natural, innate, like, coping skills, I think, coming into play, like, survival, like, being meaning to my pain to save me from it and given purpose. I mean, and then through the practice, like, I went to yoga, and I found that while I was in this awakening. And I just, I mean, I guess I just got through the suffering. I always had a strong um, faith practice. Like, I'm not going to say it was like, not always like religious, but I always just felt a strong sense of faith. I mean, I think that comes from probably trauma when my dad died at eight, you know, that was prep work. That was prep work for the pain that I endured as an adult, uh, the pain that I faced at age eight at the loss of my father. So I got tools like the detachment. It's like we, I am like if somebody's suffering right now. It's like you see your thoughts and just know you're not your thoughts. I am not my thoughts. I am not my thoughts. That is not who I am. I am not what I'm feeling. And just that little bit is a creates the opening and just like that tearing apart from the attachment of identifying with what is happening. And it's
1: tricky. So tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky and it's sticky. It's so liberating though.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can get sucked in so easily.
1: What do you think like would suck you back in? What were things? or And then how did you go about trying to like work them into your life? life in maybe a different way or something
2: i mean self consciously practice all of the tools now um to so it's like um it comes from deep embedded belief systems like your belief systems will create your thoughts and your thoughts will create your feelings and your emotions and it's like that's the the shadow stuff that's the um the weaving um of past experiences that you may not even be conscious of that you're carrying um like not being enough or um not having uh, like not being worthy or not feeling like enough like just from previous experiences that you have in childhood growing up that you internalize in some way shape or form without consciously doing it it's just the way you feel through certain experience when you're young and then you grow up with these and now you're an adult and you have this unknown belief system that you're operating from that is creating suffering in your experience in life so you have a story that's like you're not aware of playing out in your mind and um, so when a trigger happens um, so uh, usually from an encounter and experience another person you misinterpret somebody else's behavior and then you have a whole story weaved around. They did this, and that's because of this, and that means this. So, um, maybe an example of that could be, um, I am, um, trying to give somebody a gift, and they didn't hear me, and they just kept on walking. And now my mind can be like, they don't like me. They didn't want to receive that from me. And then now I have all these feelings of, like, I'm not worthy. I don't belong. Nobody loves me. Um, Am I making sense? Totally. So it's, like, the ability to watch. So this is, like, the basis of the teachings of yoga. This is the mindfulness. This is, like, stalking your thoughts. What and. If it was so easy, more people would get it. But I'm still working with people now through the process where they're they're working through some trauma and um it makes sense that they're work it takes a minute to like weave it in and grasp it. You gotta be willing to take responsibility. Um, because that's the only way out of suffering. Otherwise you're like powerless in the place of being a victim. Oh, they don't love me, they didn't hear me. You know? Like what? I don't want to be in that. Like that's like how do I know that's true? I just made up a whole fucking story. Totally. To that's perpetuate, very like perpetuate a belief system. Like, like to perpetuate a belief inside of me to affirm that what I think is true.
1: Yeah, like asking yourself is that true contradicting it's a
2: field dream yeah like filter like filter your thoughts watch them stalk them and then be like mm, uh, is that really true and then it be like a comedy show
1: yeah not identifying with them oh my gosh I mean when you yeah. can stop doing that you just and feel it's a constant so,
2: practice. Oh yeah, because totally. you slip into it. You slip into it you're like, oh, fuck. you know, like I'm like, yeah, I, I still catch myself. I'm like, I just made it this whole story. Now I just have fun with it. I'll be like, hey. Did you not like? I'm, I don't, I just totally pulled that example up out of my ass because it seems pretty neutral and easy to share. But hey, did you not want this book that I just bought for you because, like, you know, my feelings are all hurt over here? I thought you were ignoring me because you didn't really want to see that and you didn't want to tell me that you didn't want it because you didn't want to hurt my feelings. Is that true? And I was like, what the fuck? It's so funny. It's hysterical. It's comical to watch myself make up the story and then I even can question it. And be like, no, 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 that's my mind just playing tricks on me again. But still, I want to convince myself. So it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to like play with it and be like, I'll just ask this person. Or I'll come up with a clever way to ask what was going on with him. And then it's like I hear their truth and I get to compare it to the story my mind made up. And then it's proof of like how whack my mind can be. (laughs) You know, no matter how practiced that you, it's the way the mind works. It's getting to know how we operate. It's like the self study game,
1: so what was this like road to healing for you? Was it quick? did you i mean, I know it's like an ever evolving process also, but like how did the healing look over time like I feel like- over time, like mm-hmm. there's like a cycle, right? Like there's kind of like a cycle. I feel like. Okay, tell me about that cycle. Um,
2: okay, so I had to come in. Luckily, you know, I was just like, "Fuck you!" Is it okay to cuss in your podcast?
1: Of course. Okay. <laughs> I
2: like. I mean, it was just fire. I was fueled for anger and hurt and then like perseverance. I was like, I was using my anger to get out of the toxic abusive relationship. I was like game on for so long. I Accepted responsibility for you and me, and it was like it was actually accepting that I was victim that allowed me to get liberated, which is a sticky path too. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be a victim, and I like to be victim. Victim is powerless, but it was like I was victim to alcoholism. And um, it was like the willingness to admit that was so liberating. And I knew I had to go there to take the path that I was about to take because I'm big hearted and compassionate. I had to realize that my compassion was being manipulated by the alcoholic again and again and again and again. I will change. I'm not gonna do it again. Okay, I wanna believe you. I can, I can support you to change. You mean at this time? Like, how many motherfucking times I gotta do that? And it was like, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing again and again and again and expecting a different result. Okay, well, like seven years in, yeah, we're
0: still
2: doing it. And then, um getting like what happened like the journey was just like accepting accepting like what my realizations were and like having to take responsibility for it and just like i was at a place where like i'm so depressed i don't want to live my life i feel like i'd rather die than live my life oh well you know that's not really an option so let me address that thought oh fuck that means i gotta do something to make a change shit that's scary too god there's like no way out, but through it, I was like uncomfortable this way or uncomfortable this way. Okay, well, shit, I'm gonna be uncomfortable this way because this way with the husband doing the same thing again. Like I just can't. Mm-mm. No more. I'm done. I just couldn't deny it in myself anymore. And then, um so I said it to him. I'm done. This is the end. Like I told you for seven years, I was gonna have an end, and this is the end now. And um and then, then he wanted to do more marriage counseling. So I went through the stages of marriage counseling because I said, "I because I wanted a voice and I wanted to be heard." And I will like, say, "Well, maybe he will hear me through these voices." And um, and then his drinking progressive progressively got worse through my saying, "I'm done," and to the point where. He woke up outside of Union he woke up in the hospital because he had went to a Christmas party, got drunk, stepped outside of Union Station, fell to the curb and hit his head, got a concussion, was driven to the hospital, woke up in the hospital. Finally, after multiple marriage counselors and then me saying he's an alcoholic, finally he wakes up, he goes, Uh, oh, maybe I am an alcoholic and um decided to get help. He went to a rehabilitation center who then called me because they offered healing to um, people involved with the patient. Because in those dynamics, like the alcoholic is not the only person affected. When they were calling me to come for my healing, I was like, don't you dare call me and ask me to come spend time over my Christmas break visiting him. I told him I'm done. Stop pulling at me. And they're like, "Ma'am, this is not for him. This is for you. And I still like couldn't even really hear him. They're like, you have been on an emotional roller coaster, like a merry-go-round for seven years. You are not emotionally well. And that caught my attention. I was like, man, that might be true. <sighs> that could be true. Um, and I was so like, I mean, we would go to marriage counseling. I had a lot of pain to undo. And, um, so I decided to, I mean, for the whole seven years, I was about him. Like, I was not existent. Like, who I was, my feelings just kept being shoved down, which it just, it's just been years and years of my talking. Why patriarchal conditioning and people pleasing, both bullshit belief systems of growing up in the church like you must be submissive to your husband why did I have sex with him and create babies in my marriage because I felt like that's what a wife was supposed to do not because I wanted to oh well shit I guess like you yeah, haven't had sex forever I guess I owe it to him to have sex now I was angry and resentful, resentful of my whole marriage because it was the same thing happening again until the towards the end where I had numbed out and, like, became my own best friend and sought out, um, making hobbies, started sewing, crafting, woodworking, which we covered last time. And I, uh, <laughs> I learned how to be alone in my marriage. That built me up to be a little bit um, more fearless around, you know, walking into the being alone. Um, I mean, I haven't. I mean, I'm getting myself off track. I'm losing myself. So, um, the back, circling back to the healing center. So, um, you know, I was ready to work on me at that point because I had accepted the term victim. Um, one of the things that was so liberating to me was watching either the Oscars or the Emmys. I don't know which one it was, but this, I don't even know who she was, but it was, um, it was like science in the universe, honestly, um, like talking to me and this lady speaks about domestic violence and she is beautiful and strong. And then she came out and talked about the impact of being in an abusive relationship to her self-worth and her self-esteem. And I was able to identify with like some of the things she said. And because like that, that just led me to like, what is domestic abuse? And then just started like Googling things. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm experiencing. Oh, this is in the, this, He never hit me, but like, this is, there's a cycle of abusers that they teach about in rehabilitation. And I was like, oh, this is the cycle. Mess up. Make the spouse mad. Oh, apologize. Then the spouse is like upset, or the, whoever the two people in the tango is, is upset. And then the abuser, um, begs and pleads and, um, seeks, redemption or I'm, I'm not using their terms but is apologetic convinces the person oh and then they and then you enter the honeymoon page and then everything is good for a second and then the um same crime gets repeated and it just keeps cycling and it keeps cycling and it keeps cycling and it wears and tears on you like I didn't know who I was I was criticized for seven years I didn't know how to make a decision. I didn't know how to go to the grocery store and not call and give the choices. I couldn't make a decision on my own. It was just nitpicked apart because I was criticized for every decision I made. So it was like PTSD around making decisions as if like all the choices in the world are already overwhelming enough. (laughs) Now my thinking around it is question two. Um, little signs coming to me from the universe like I didn't know I was gonna watch that show and then that lady popped up and it was like that spoke to me and then that led me to look a little bit further and a little bit further until, you know, um you know to the point where I'm like I can't do this anymore and then he has his bottom because now it's like oh fuck this is for real and like he's so like one of the things that bothered me the most about him is like he would be So more prioritized on appearance and external, um, you know, what other people thought rather than like what was real and true between us. And I just couldn't, like, that wasn't real. That wasn't the connection. It just didn't feel like love. And it bothered me and it hurt me. It hurt me. It was hurtful for what everybody else thought to be more important than me.
1: How did your relationship... Sorry, did I just cut you off there? It's okay. No, it's okay. I'm just, you know, <laughs> we'll keep going. <laughs> How did your relationship with spirituality unfold while you were going through this experience? Like, you're kind of talking about it a little bit, but just I really want to, like, dig in. Okay.
2: Um, well, I mean, I was actually experiencing powerlessness and like because I was saying I wanted out of this marriage I don't want this, this is not good it comes to terms with what was what I was living started getting vocabulary for it started being liberated from like wow well, like I didn't know how bad the stuff I was living until I spoke it out loud was to somebody else and um, he wouldn't leave he refused to leave, he got more controlling. And then I'm 800 miles away from family and I didn't have anywhere else to go. And I'm with my kids. I mean, I guess in like, retrospect, I could have packed up and just like left home. But at that point in time, I didn't feel like I could do that. And, um, and so it was just powerless. I didn't know. I just knew I wanted out and I didn't know how I was going to get out. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I didn't I didn't I I didn't think about ever having to be in that situation and preparing for it. I didn't build my credit up. I did nothing. I like you know, I stayed home and went full out. Domestic mommy stay at home took care of my home and my family. And um he wouldn't leave and I was just like I'm not like I have nowhere to go with my kids. What am I gonna do? And I just, so I prayed because I didn't know where to turn or what to do because I felt trapped and stuck. And so I was like, well, I'll meditate. I'm going to take up meditation. And I listened to Tara Brock. And I just started processing my feelings. Like One day I'm going to write a, just give somebody my journal and be like, can you put this together in a book? <laughs> um journaled and listened to music and processed feelings and prayed and prayed and prayed until um uh, to get out of the marriage and then um it was just because I didn't know any other way it was just what way I had to turn and then he got so bad and controlling um like, the day we split, I was I wouldn't have him. I was refusing him, and so he would get more controlling. I was making him sleep in the living room, and I was sleeping in the bedroom, and I'd lock the door. And then it was to the point where he would get so inflated. He would decide he's coming to try to do something, try to bust up in the room. And I was like, no. He's like, I'm going to go take all the money out of the bank account. And control it. off, oh, if you need anything, so much as toilet paper, you to come through me. i will probably tell this, this story really like hit me hard. <laughs> was that like he threatened to it a bunch of times, and then he really went and did it. And then I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so livid!" Because I am not one to be controlled, and I was getting more and more trapped and stuck feeling. I was like, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. Like. He is just trying to take more and more control. And um, when he came back, he tried to force himself in the bedroom. We had a little bit of a brawl that led him to leading to call his AA sponsor that he'd known for like, you know, two weeks.
0: <laughs>
2: and his AA sponsor was telling him to call the police on me. So I just keep getting forced into more spirituality. More spirituality is coming. And um, and um, I just had some instincts, reflexes. And I was like, he's going to, like, my survival mode took over. She's about to call the police on me. This is one messed up situation. That is so not right. So I called the police. I was like, what am I right? And, but anyway, I'm going to shorten up all those details. So that was what led to the actual separation between us. Now, what was crazy was that I was put in the position to he was calling the police or I was calling the police. And um, that I got a protective order and they told me I had to go. Home. I went to the police station. They like they told they told me to go home and call 911. And I was like, I'm not calling 911. This is not life or death. I don't know. Then the self-doubt starts yet. And then um, I just was just hit with the realization that the universe was giving me what I wanted. I didn't know how I was getting out. You wouldn't leave. I was praying like crazy for an out, an opening. And it was just all of a sudden, I was like, I can't call 911. And I was like, this seems so dramatic. This seems so crazy. And then I realized, I was like, the universe is giving me what I want. I have to be, it's like a golden path. It's like the light is being shown and I have to be brave enough to take that first step. I had to take the step. This is it. And I took the step and I like, I didn't think I was going to call him, but like he harassed me and I was like, this isn't going to stop if I don't. And I was just like, I can't call the police. But no, baby dad, this is crazy. And then I, I had to. And, um, let me tell you what happened. So this is like really affirmed in a spiritual path. The exact amount of money all the way I don't know somebody's calling it, I need to find that. All the way down to the exact dollar arrived in the mailbox on this what happened over the weekend on that Monday in three different checks. Three different checks added to the sum of the money that he withdrew from our account. What? and yeah so it was like little signs like that i'm like oh my god and it's was like affirming like okay like it's just being able to like walk with the fear in the faith and choosing the faith over the fear mean, lena did it all by living on a prayer and faith and um
1: I think it's so interesting that like your healing journey—it sounds like almost started before the separation even happened. Like it
2: did. It started with like the um the woodworking and the crafting. That's like. so
1: amazing.
2: I mean, I think there were like little nuggets, like like a little like pebbles being like. Drop down on this shell or this veil of illusion, it would like catch me, but I wouldn't stay with it. Like an example, my, because um, think about it, Anna. Like you're isolated. You're what you are isolated in, and you're functioning within. You just adapt to it being a new norm, and you don't know any better until you like have like a connection outside and something to compare to. This is like where the abusive cycle. This is how it happens. And like a, a friend would come into my life and stay with me and then would watch me and then be like, you're such an enabler. Why don't you like let your kids do anything? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, you're not teaching your kids to be empowered. You do everything for your kids. You're, that's called being an enabler. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, but it like stuck with me So I'm like, oh, it is kind of exhausting because like there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to like go do something. I'm like, oh man going to do something sounds nice like (laughs) every once in a while okay Um, and then one time going to the grocery store with another mom that I was friends with from the co-op preschool and like hearing me argue on the phone and then making a comment like these are like little like cracks being made and I didn't say anything at the time but like their comment like stuck with me like Man, like, you have to go through that to go grocery shopping.
1: Oh, yeah, that was like you said you had to text him all the choices. He was crazy about money Uh, because he had such
2: a lack scarcity mindset, but then it like filtered and trickled over onto me in an abusive way. Like, "Ah." (laughs) she's like, Man, and just like that comment, like, you have to go through that to go to the grocery store. She didn't even know what she was like. Making me realize by saying it, but it was like little encounters like that. I'm like, oh. then I feel like I feel a little embarrassed. I didn't say it at the time, but on the inside, I felt a little embarrassed. I'm like, oh, that's not normal. Aw.
1: <laughs> so, what was it like building a new life? Like where you are now, you seem happy in general I mean I know we have like multiple feelings all the time but like you seem like you're like glowing and radiant and positive and strong so I, I mean I know now but it's like I mean I
2: feel like it's ebbs and flows I feel more stable now than ever and this is like six years past and I'm actually just about like I still find myself responding to him, even though he's in his healing path in like four years sober or five years sober now, my numbers are not precise. And I'm telling you years these are all approximations. Um, so, but even though like sometimes I still respond to him as if he is out to get me, like I don't trust his intentions. And I can go to that negative space, but I'm still. You know, it's a practice watching it. I'm like, oh, I'm being, I'm in defensive mode right now. Instead of like trusting, he's just looking out for the kids and asking something. I'm like, he's trying to manipulate me, and like I can feel that conditioned, protective. Like I mean, I naturally want to be like protective and guarded in his company because I suffered so much in his company. Yeah, of course, but I'm. But and but um it's so it's been ugh crazy. I took I had to take a lot of space and like minimal like when I got a protective order, like three weeks of him not allowed to talk to me was like very healing. I was like, Oh this is what it's like to not be told how to sweep the floor. This is what it's like for nobody to say anything about the way I'm chopping vegetables and preparing dinner. I mean, this is like somebody just you know, like they didn't he didn't have control inside of him, so he's just looking around trying to control everything outside of him from everything possible. Like he's just carrying so much stress and anxiety and uncertainty and pressure and like no coping skills of managing and turning to alcohol to none. And then questioning what he felt because he knew what he felt wasn't right, because it was ugly shit. Um but um, what did you just ask me? Because I was going to.
1: I asked. Oh, how did I like, get? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh like it's, been a, it's been up, an ongoing like, cycle. It's, it's, a yeah. t- it's a choice. It's like, I mean, like
2: I can, Anna, wake up and I can still choose to be mad and angry and upset that I'm here parenting my kids by myself when they're here and I'm being pulled in multiple directions, it triggers my nerves. And I can easily fall into the victim cycle of like, I wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for him. And it's like, fuck that. Who wants to live like that? It's a conscious choice of making a a practice. And I guess it's it's weaving these mindfulness, these intent, it's living by intention. It's living by intention. If I don't live by intention, I'm going to be another angry single mom in the world because it's a lot of pressure and I can get triggered to it a lot, but I have to choose not to. It's a choice. It's by being conscious that I have a choice. Also, having really close friends that are in the work with me that I can reach out to and be like, this is me. Reflect back to me what you see. You're in your... And like I have a best friend She's like, you're in your shit right now. And I'm like, fuck you. I am. <laughs> you're right and i couldn't see it it's hard to see myself but you know it but like you're watching your state like i mean i mean sometimes just it's like it's practicing tools it's integrating the tools and it's embodying like remembering that you have a choice Sometimes I'm not able to pull myself out of it. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I want to be angry. My anger is sacred. I have a right to be angry. I'm going to process it now and then just like move through things. But um, just getting faster at what I had to learn to do is all it is. Faster at calling my own shit out. Faster at moving through my feelings. Faster at just going through it. Processing
1: what do you choosing. think what do you think about holding conflicting emotions as you're healing like being happy and sad or missing i think something you gotta know and... that they can
2: both exist
1: at yeah. the same time which
2: is like does it make it does not make sense but it's true so it's like also like i got a lot of knowledge um and tools from going to from listening to so much like I just I don't I don't I dedicate my life to it (laughs) I still delve into it every day a lot what Um, does your
1: daily practice look like spiritual practices like
2: what does it look like I mean I definitely gotta sit down and take a conscious moment and breathe and acknowledge what's going on inside of me um, and remember like what, uh, to remember where I'm going, what I'm doing, that I'm creating, that I'm a, that I'm creating my life, that this is my do-over. So it's like staying in that consciously. So I don't go down. Like it's like, con- it's like reconditioning myself because like by nature, by feeling, by how we are wired and operate. I mean, my mind is going to go, like, start processing what I'm feeling and making the stories up and then giving a reason, which is going to spiral into stories from the past. which is going to perpetuate suffering. And it's just really getting familiar with your personal power and your choice. And um, so I have to take a, like, um, uh, whether it's five minutes, sometimes it could be 20 minutes because I might be, like, not in a good place. Maybe it'll be an hour. Some mornings I can't do it because I have the kids that I have to get ready for school. But it doesn't look the same every day because I can't stand that because I like to get up and flow with where I'm at. But I have to make sure I get it in my day. So sometimes I get it in the morning. Sometimes I'll get it in after I get the kids situated. But it's a little breath. It's a little movement. It's sitting, just sitting and being with myself and be like, where are you? Where do you want to be? Are you being in alignment with your intention? Sometimes I slip because I don't practice and I'm like, oh, shit. All right. My fault. I feel it. I'm in the funk. All right. Let me do some more yoga. I do. I do. I mean, breath and movement and having purpose. How do you feel
1: or how do you feel about the idea of like not needing your practice to be perfect?
2: I get caught in trying to make my per- practice perfect, too. And then I have to be like, well, what are you doing? do <laughs> You're saying what you do anywhere you do everywhere. So it disappears in the, this work, too. It's such a mind-fuck. It's so funny. It's hysterical. Um, so I love giving myself the freedom that it doesn't have. Self-compassion is my main practice. That's what you have to practice. Otherwise, you get caught in the perfectionism. And I forgot that recently, and i just recently come back to it, because I went into, like, two-week hole, because I'm, like, trying to up-level, expand, or making a change from going into um, working with people privately, changing my business, changing everything. And so I pushed myself real hard. I started watching other people that are where I hope to be and want to get, you know, looking for leaders in the coaching field. And then I fell into that trap hole of like self-comparison and like pushing myself to try to get somewhere faster than it's like natural time and process. And that was perfectionism. And, I uh, had to have compassion for where I am and how I am and who I am and for everything that you know, I was feeling, and I'm like, Ha-ha. it cycles. It cycles. I feel like each time the lessons come around, it's just a little deeper.
1: uh, what do they say? New level, different devil.
2: Yep, new level, different devil.
1: I feel that. new level, new devil. New level, new devil. New, new, devil. <laughs> new devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But you get, but it's like anything, it's a practice. Everything that we do is a practice. So what are you going to practice? Like being in a funk and, you know, putting the nails in your coffin as you weave the stories around why you've been done wrong or why you're upset or why you're suffering? Or are you going to practice, like, you know, creating your life and living how you want and being who you want to be? It's a serious practice. For me, I mean... I feel like maybe it's easier for others, but it feels like it takes a real conscious practice for me. Being a single mom. like I don't know. That's challenging.
1: I love that. Okay. My dog is losing his shit downstairs. Okay. <laughs> um, Let's do the last question. I feel like this has been awesome. Let's ask the question of what advice would you give somebody in a situation where they're fresh out of a divorce they're starting a new life um just like any words of wisdom you have be kind
2: to yourself be kinder be just imagine yourself as, as somebody else suffering so that you can offer that compassion inward. And look at it like this is, your, this is your do-over, so do it right this time. Do it the way you want to do it, and not the way you think you should do it, but the way you want. Find your desires, your wants, your hearts, and listen to yourself. And trust yourself and believe in yourself. And the best is yet to come.
1: I love that. That's so empowering.
2: Thank you. That's what you that's what I have to remind myself. I can go into the story of like, I'm healing my trauma or I'm living my best life. I mean, and then along the way, shit pops up and I have tools. So that's why my practice doesn't have to be perfect because like it's fun to play with all of the stuff that's out there to discover and play with. I just wrote something down the other, yesterday, I was like, you know what? I consciously choose, because this is like something I've had, like, I get caught up around in my business, I look at other people who specialize in one particular topic and niche, and you know what? Yesterday, I was like, you know what? I am a jack of all trades on purpose, because that's what makes me feel free, I yes. do it by a choice. I am the jack of many trades and the master of none, because mastery takes too much. It's too much pressure, and there it's never you're never done. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and low I hat mean, like mini hat wearer. Yeah, and I get to say, I get to decide when I feel like I've done this whatever I'm taking on good enough I get to decide when I'm good enough
1: Yes, Back
2: whatever ideas I'm doing
1: oh that's amazing oh my god I just love you I love your story I love you too. it's so empowering thank so- you
2: thank you for um letting me share cause I've been like when I was like when I was in suffering I was like I'm using my story to create my new life and help other people. I will like,
1: I want to use my story to help others because it was other people's stories that were helping me. Yeah, I definitely think you will. And I'm sure you are already. (laughs) Um, Where can people find you if they want to work with you one-on-one? I have a website.
2: It's believeyoga.love making moves um, believe dot love um also i would love it if people would find me and follow me on my instagram
1: definitely
2: which is um, my business page is the same it's BelieveYogaLove dot love on instagram i'm um, on facebook i have a business page believe yoga love so, um going to give some more love too soon but my personal page is becky b-e-c-k-i h-o-l-t portis p-o-r-t-i-s
1: amazing you guys so much for listening to today's episode definitely connect with Becky shout out to Joe Walsh for the music and i hope you guys have a fantastic start to your summer enjoy it Mwah.